are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point Number 9, a Tennis Bets podcast. I'm one of two co-hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on X and all the socials. You can find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts these days. Please do subscribe. If you're a first-time listener, chance starts how you found us. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, welcome back. I'm based in California, and I'm tossing it to my man in Canada who has a big Holiday weekend coming up, Mr. John Reed. You can find him at Jared Tweets Tennis. He does betting content for his own brand, Tibbets Tennis Action Network, betting expert, Hammer HQ. He does tennis form recaps. John, happy Canadian Thanksgiving. Thanks, man. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving as well to all the uh, the Canadian listeners out there. I got family dinner tomorrow, and then I'm doing a second Thanksgiving dinner on Sunday for uh, to watch NFL. Just cook all day, watch the NFL, and eat. It's going to be awesome. Sounds like a great weekend. Uh, all right, John, well, uh-huh. let's... Get right into it and get you off on your long holiday weekend. We always start with our accountability segment. What do we win? What do we learn? Wins. Kantan Halis, Moneyline plus 200 versus Aslan Karatsev. Was real proud of that one, John. When I woke up and saw that cash, I felt like well, that was... Well, look where that closed. Look where that closed, too. It was in the plus 130 range. Yeah. Well, I felt that was one of our, our better segments of the last episode. I was discussing that match. How about Fabian Marichon? Plus 145 money line and the tie break set one at plus 300. Cash both those. Marishan keeps it rolling versus Demonor last night, who we mentioned is value on the outrights, but that goes down. Marishan keeps it rolling. Good for him. Dusan Lajovic. Stan Wawrinka played a match and we called for the over 22 and a half, which sneaks over at 23. Mikhail Kukushkin plus 130 versus Mueller. Cash that. Dane Sweeney, plus games and Moneyline versus Terry Daniel. Cash those. Boo versus Kashmanovic. Cash that. Fuchovic, we talked about that in the draw talk. Fuchovic versus FAA at plus money last night. John talked about FAA being dead in that segment. Said you had to play it. And hopefully you did because that cashed as well. And we'll round to the finish with Schwartzman versus Van Asha. Didn't really have a, a, a hard pick, but I felt that was a good handicap by Mr. John Reed discussing the potential trouble for Van Esch in that one. Schwartzman outclassing in the end. You know what? I liked it so much that I ended up writing it up and making a bet for betting expert. <laughs> it's like, you know, I think I convinced myself to actually bet on Diego Schwartzman, which didn't look good for the first set in a bit. It was bad, uh, but it cashed and the accounts gained money and that made me happy. Losses, Daniel Altmaier money line at plus 156 versus Yoshi Nishioka. Ugh, we had it. I mean, he... I had break points in the first set, didn't see one the rest of the match. Lost in the third set breaker, tough. Zapata versus Nakashima gets the second set tie break, but loses by six games. The plus four doesn't come in, the overs don't come in. This one and Altmaier, I feel like, were two that we had pretty good reads on. Like, even Zapata lost by six games to Nakashima, but it was two breaks <laughs> in the end. I felt like for the most of the match, our theory was there, although Nakashima... Beats Runa last night, looks better. But I guess that comes down to select. Like, even if you have a good read on the match, you always got to make sure you're picking the right selection. John, let's lean into the what do we learn part of this. Talk about, like, your bet selection when it comes to handicapping. I mean, I felt like Altmaier was pretty live. I thought he could also lose in straight sets. So I thought, like, the money line was the best play versus the over. But how do you approach picking what to play? It's always tough, too, because you can you can try and rationalize it three like every way till Sunday and then you end up you know betting plus one and a half sets in the money line and the over comes in and, and you lose in straights right it, th- those situations are always going to happen but really there's just 
there's correlation between a lot of these markets. And so what you're trying to trying to figure out is the value is going to be fairly similar relative to what the true number should be. Again, because most of these things are correlated. So now you're just trying to figure out which is more likely, which I guess kind of actually means there's there is a little bit more value on whichever market you end up going with. And, and that's really all you can try to do. You're not going to see, you will sometimes, but it's rare you're going to find the plus game showing you like a, uh, an X percent edge and the money line only showing you Y percent edge. You're probably going to see a similar edge on both. So it's just a matter of, you know, risk aversion, what you think is more likely to happen, what you're more, again, what you're more comfortable with. It just that it, it's, it's really as simple as that, because there are going to be times where you pick exactly right. There are going to be times where you have a great read on the match, like that, like Altmaier, where we didn't take the over, it was just straight money line and, you know, okay, third set tie break. It's as close as it comes. You assess the price was incorrect. You had that that part correct, and you just didn't get paid for it. But the process was there, and that's what you really want to try and uh, look for: is look past the losses and understand that the process is there. That's only one match, but I do think that Altmaier served pretty well and and did dictate fairly well, and he wasn't rushed all that much by Nishioka, which is exactly what we laid out. So if you can kind of find that process and say this number is off because of the handicap and you're proven right more often than not, that's the recipe to success. We also had a lengthy discussion of what we were missing in the Bodick versus O'Connell match, which was at Pickham, and what we were missing was a win. <laughs> As Bodick turns to form against O'Connell, gets the dub. James Duckworth versus Hompen. John talked about that being a multi-unit play. Unfortunately, that was a loss as well, but third set at plus 170. Once again, I think we saw last night with Hoffman going down to Eubanks, not the, the best hard quarter. So I think that was still a worthy chase, as you mentioned, and the price was wrong. Kovacevic somehow loses to Garin in a hard court. Gasquet missed, although I I mentioned that it might be a bad matchup for Gasquet as well. That uh, was Zhang. So Coolidge versus Sonego plus games goes down. I, I have to say... Sukulich was in those rallies. I watched a lot of that match. Um, just really biffed it on key points. Yeah, that was kind of the difference. Kokonakis, rollover dead last night. Talked about him in the draw as a potential rollover candidate. He goes down 7-6, 6-4 tight match, uh, which was the theory uh, versus Hubie that it would be tight, but he's on the wrong side of it. And then I mentioned the demon outright is dead. And we talked about Greek Spore being a look on the outright market for the quarter. And he goes down in retirement. Another thing to, to know, uh, it's been windy and there's rain ahead this weekend. So keep that in mind. Just quickly, if you do follow me at Tibbetts Tennis, where I post my bets, my main account is just where I tweet about tennis and Arsenal. But if uh, if you follow Tibbetts Tennis, Demon didn't look great, but you would have had Fabian Marichon at plus 555 uh, given out. I, I was sitting on it, sitting on it, and the market just kept betting Demon Hour. I don't know how you see a dollar twenty. $2.25, like minus four to minus 500 and find value on it. I'm not saying that no minus 400 to 500s have value because that's not true. If something should be minus a thousand, then minus 400 is value and you can hammer it all you want. But in this particular case, I don't know how the market was seeing so much value on that. Um, and it got to plus 555 at bet online. Uh, so I did take it. So thank you to Fabian Marichon, who has been cashing tickets this week for us. Uh, money line for you. First set over for me in his first match. Like I've now cashed a plus 300 and a plus 555 with Fabian Marichon in like three days. What a, what a beaut. What a beaut. And it's not even close to his biggest cash of the year because he still has that plus or 20 to one win over Carlos Alcaraz in Rome. The kid is cashing. Love to see it. Gotta love the sport, man. The dog values are, are there. I mean, like I sent that so last week. Shout out to Kay Adams and her 
or show up and Adam's on FanDuel. We obviously are in the betting space, so appreciate any betting content trying to do their thing. But a four-leg single-game parlay in the Lions-Green Bay Packers game was less <laughs> than what you hit with Marishon last night versus Demonor <laughs> in one leg. It was like plus 467. Truly incredible. Yeah, and you know what? That's the big thing is, one, I was just going to say, in, in the American sports, I get, I'm not knocking people for betting them. I throw out bets sometimes, too, for fun. I'm not really good at handicapping a lot of those sports, but I like to bet. Everyone likes to have some fun with their bets sometimes, too. But you just, it's, it's rare you even get a plus 600 to bet. And when you do, that team almost never wins outright. I don't know how many plus 600s win outright all season in the NHL. Um, I don't think you get them in the NHL because teams just aren't that far apart. Or in the NBA or in the NFL. But I'll tell you, they hit like almost weekly, especially if you go down to the Challenger Tour. You can find them all the time in tennis. That's the best part about our sport is you can hit massive, pardon me, massive underdog plays and you can do it all the time. Now, of course, more lose than than not. That's the point of them being like plus 600. But they're there. And that's, you know, like you said, the beauty of this sport. I freaking love it. Yeah. And one leg to not trying to hit over yards and a touchdown scored <laughs> and all those things correlating. Shout out to a lot of people out there who are pretty sharp on the single game parlays. So it is profitable, but I would also argue that's how the books stay in business. Okay. Well, let's look for some dogs here in round two, day two, and round three of ATP Shanghai. Let's jump into it, John. Now, we talked about our guy, J.J. Wolf as a potential rollover candidate versus Cam Norrie. He is plus 169 as the dog. Nice. Cam Norrie is minus 199 as the Moneyline favorite. The spread is three games. Total is 22 and a half. Now, Wolf did not look very good against Kachin. Dropped a set. That said, we, we did mention the Kachin probably a little bit undervalued on a hard court. I certainly thought four was going to be a tough cover for Mr. Wolf versus Kachin, given what we saw at the US Open uh, with how he played Ben Shelton tight. But I mean, how are you seriously almost $2 favorite for Cam Nori in this matchup? I, I'll be on the Wolf money line, like I said. I just, I don't know if I trust Nori's pace enough. Kind of like the Yoshi and Altmaier handicap all over again. And we're in that same price range too, except Wolf is a natural on hard courts. Altmaier wasn't. Now, obviously, Nori's a bit better than, than Nishioka, but it's the same concept, right? The, the way to beat Wolf is to not let him get his feet set. Because when he gets his feet set, like, good luck beating him on a fast hard court. The guy can absolutely smash the ball, and he likes quick courts. I remember he won, I think he won the Columbus Challenger once or twice when he was at Ohio State. And those are lightning quick courts, Those that indoor Columbus Challenger. It actually just passed recently uh, as well this season. And he, he won it once, yeah. Once, yeah. And it was Michael Torpegard, I think, won it once as well. He was also his teammate at Ohio State, I think. Uh, it was just the, the guys at Ohio State knew the court well, et cetera, uh, and succeed, uh, had a lot of success there. And, and these are kind of like, this is the same concept. These are very fast courts. Now, is everyone's game going to play up? Sure. Do I think Cam Norrie has the pace to really rush him and, and not let him get his feet set and, and force him to kind of hit more erratically? I don't. And it's it, like it, the exact same situation as Altmaier in that plus 170 range. Check. Uh, a guy with a, a good serve and good amount of pop to, to construct holds of serve for himself. Check. A player that can't really rush him from the baseline. Check. Like on the, uh, an opponent, not a player, but yeah, an opponent on the other side of the net that can't really rush him. You've got everything you kind of want to back that underdog, right? you got the comfort on the courts as well. So I'm with you on that. I think Wolf is a, is a good look here. The The problem is, and this is the, this is the downside with Wolf and Ori. If he loses, he's probably going to make us look really stupid, right? Like the loss is probably not going to be 
six seven seven six six seven <laughs> right it's probably if you lose it's gonna be like one six three six so be prepared for that as well but I, I do think that there's certainly some value and he wins this a lot more often than the mark like right that the price right now has him under 40 percent to beat nori here maybe if nori was in blistering form and looking like a top 10 or 15 player okay but he can't find the court all that much either. So I don't know why anyone's trusting Cam to be like this huge favorite. Uh, Wolf's going to need a big night on serve. He, he can't offer up 42 yeah. second serves uh, like he did in three sets versus Kachin, uh, or he will get torpedoed. So that, that'll kind of be the, the make or break for Wolf. But hopefully he can uh, land those first serves. Here's one I think is interesting to talk about because the market finally is appreciating Matteo Arnaldi. He's a minus 150 money line favorite versus Jan Leonard Struff at plus 125. The total is at 23. The spread is at two games. Arnaldi is certainly a bet on player in 2023. And up until this week, or up until tonight, I feel like he would have been the dog here. These two actually played in 2022, about a year ago, uh, November of last year, an Italian indoor challenger, Struff won in three sets, hmm. uh, four, six, six, one, six, four. I hate to say it, but I kind of am thinking Struff might be some value here at plus money. Okay, what, what do I have in him? Yeah, I mean, like plus 138 on have- bet online. We're far from we're far from from Struff at his best though. Uh, he's played three matches since July. He's only beaten Christian Garin on a hard court, and he won that by a zero game margin. Then he you know loses to Yoshi in straights, lost to Cam or Cam Rude, maybe you know Cam Rude or Casper Nori. Why not? They're playing. They're both playing like shit on hard courts lately. Um, but Casper Rude, not Cam Rude, uh, beat him in straights as well in Beijing. And it's not like Casper playing great tennis right now. I am far from from backing Jan Leonard Struff at this point. Maybe he finds the win. I don't know. But similar conditions last November, and he needed three sets to beat Arnaldi, who's much improved from that matchup, and especially more comfortable on hard court than he would have been last November and getting tour-level experience. Well, Jan Leonard Struff has still looked very rusty in the three matches he's played. I would probably just back overs here if you like, if you like Struff. it's really tough for me to construct a path to victory for him where this, this match stays under because the return game just isn't there. I don't think his legs are up to speed yet. And on these courts, if he, if he does win in straights, like maybe you want to do the, the over plus dog kind of money line, especially if he fades as the match goes on and you kind of have your blown lead, but you have that the over there to at least catch you while you fall. But I do think that if you, if you like Jan Leonard's truth, I feel like that over is probably going to be, um, you know, part and parcel of that win for him. Uh, Arnaldi certainly will dominate the baseline rallies, uh, but I mean, these conditions are, are set up for someone with Struff's game with the big serve, big forehand, trying to keep points short. Scam alert uh, is officially on in this one. Arnaldi will be up 1540 uh, on return, and um, Struff will get out of that somehow. <laughs> um, Speaking uh, of scam alert, uh, we forgot one. What did we learn? And it was the Zhukayev Napolitano. I said overs. The overs hit, but the tie breaks did not. I just want to throw that in there for accountability purposes. I can get a 22 and a half here on bet online. Fuck it. I'm passing on that match. Now he's going to win. And I'm going to feel like an asshole for, <laughs> for pushing you to, to pass. Sorry. There's plenty on the on the board here. Yeah. And you know what? Arnaldi has been bet down too. Like Struff only opened plus 115 at Pinnacle. Or just under that. Now he's up to plus one thirty-five. So you know you're kind of you're kind of betting against the market going too far. Which I honestly, it works. Some like there's a lot of times where it works. You get like 
a few sharp betters knock it into place and then you'll get like steam chasers or you'll get you know your your casual people just unloading money trying to follow it and they push it too far like fabian marishan coming back to it was a great case that last night don't always trust the market to bet tennis into perfect efficiency like i i, I get that a lot of people believe in it i think there's there's a case for it in like the nfl and those markets that see tens of millions of dollars bet into it on a weekly basis tennis is not that we are far from having an efficient market uh, even at close in tennis, and I, I'll stand by that. It's why I was able to bet Zepieri so late today um, against Arthur Ferry. So if you like Struff, man, I, I think that the markets might might have pushed this a little too far. Like, I'm not going to be backing Arnaldi at minus 150. I'll tell you that. Stefano Tsitsipas is taking on Rinky Hadjikata, our guy. Talk about him a lot on this podcast. Rinky is plus 350 as the Moneyline dog on, on, on Bovada. You can get... No, plus 367 on bet online. Steph is minus 450 as the favorite. The game spread is four and a half. Total is at 21 and a half. Now, if this was regular in-form Sitsipas, I would say it's going to be a tough road to hoe for Rinky. Holding serve is going to be a real challenge. It was a challenge against Jera in the match he won last time out. He managed to gut through a lot of holds from being down. But Sitsipas, even though he did what, bring his dad back? So he's, he's aware something's wrong, and he made a change. Not sure it's the, a change for the better. So we could see a, a bounce back here from Sitsipas. And you know what? Here's the thing, too, from the Nakashima-Zapata match. As much as we thought that Zapata had a good chance, I don't think we really considered that being also a get-right spot for Nakashima, considering the opponent he was facing. And I'm wondering if we should be considering that here. Uh, with Sitsi Pass. I always just with guys that don't have booming serves, it's tough for me to oppose Sitsi Pass even on a fast court. But I mean, I, I still feel like with his form, it's just I you know, you don't want to have that FOMO <laughs> of like he does lose. You're like, damn it, I always like Riggy on a quick court. I always oppose Steph. Of course I don't do it and he wins. Like the problem is the the people that we have that ha- that I have opposed him with that have beaten him, like look at his last four or five losses on hard court since Cabo, Mofis, big serve. Herkach, huge serve. Stricker, big serve. Jari, big serve. And Molchan, that's Davis Cup. Like, I, I mean, I, I I guess it counts, but I mean, I, I'm not really looking at that as super impactful. I don't, it might have been a dead, I don't know what the, the situation was, whether it was a dead rubber or not. And I just, I find it hard to, to incorporate like playing for your country into two or handicaps. But even going back to Wimbledon, the loss to Eubanks, big serve. Mallorca, Hoffman, big serve. Hala, Jari, big serve. The last non-big server he lost to was in Stuttgart to Richard Gasquet. Even before that, Alcaraz, Medvedev, Struff, Alcaraz, Fritz, Hachanov. Like, it's a pretty big theme. His return game is his weakness, and you have to be able to exploit that. And I don't know if Rinky has that. He does, I know he doesn't have the pop that, like, all the names I just mentioned have. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, I, I just... I love Rinky. I'll cheer for him. Like, I just, I cheer against Steph, not because I dislike him, but because, like, he deserves to lose until he does something about that backhand. Like, I'm sorry. You you can't expect to one day win a Grand Slam with, like, a glaring liability and vulnerability in your baseline game or in your return game. Like, you can't. So, um, I'll cheer for Rinky, but it's it's hard for me to actually back him here. These two played at the Australian Open. Since he passed one by 11 games. Yeah. There you go. And you know, the, no, those, no, oh, wait, now, actually, Ricky, wait, hold on. Seven, 13 games, my bad. What about 13? Yeah. <laughs> and ahead. you know what? Those are similar conditions, right? So those are some of the fastest outdoor hard courts you're going to find after Shanghai and Cincinnati are in Melbourne. I mean, it's a pretty decent comp. Now, I know Rinky's improved. Let's give Rinky credit for improving by, let's, you know, let's 
13 games in a, in a best of three match is something like six or seven. Now, let's say he's improved by two or three games, which is a lot uh, relative to that performance over the course of the season. And he's still, that's where the spread is now. And that's probably where it should be. I, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm okay with where this is at. You can get an under 22 for minus 114 with City Pass. Oh, God. Hell no. I'm not backing City Pass to, <laughs> to dominate on a fast hard court. Like, I don't think Rinky upsets him, but I'm sure as hell about betting on City Pass. <laughs> All right. Two matches we're not super enthused about. Let's keep it going to one I am kind of interested in, and that's Sebastian Offner at plus 271 on the money line versus Tommy Paul. The game spread is four total is at 22 here now offner as we talked about doesn't play a ton on hardcore but has been recently winston-salem into the u.s open played an indoor event in astana last week where he made the semifinals i believe uh so he's trending up on the surface he's had a pretty good year tommy paul looks awful disinterested not playing great offner's got a big serve probably not as good a returner probably something to exploit from tommy paul from the baseline but Tommy is Tommy Paul, and man, he's a tough click. Yeah, and you know what? He also is a guy who can dominate for a set and a half and randomly need a third. I've seen it at least three times this season. I don't have his Tennis Explorer page right in front of me to pull up exactly the matches, but I think one was in Cabo. No, he didn't play three against Melagheny. I think he played two really tight sets, even though he looked so much better throughout. He just couldn't put him away. We, like We've seen it time after time. Oh, Milos Raonic at Wimbledon. That's what I covered and bet on, and he... I think he was two sets in a breakup and needed a fourth set. I was on minus one and a half sets. I'm sitting here going, how the hell am I sweating this minus one and a half sets bet with Tommy Paul against Milos freaking Raonic uh, in a best of five when he was two sets in a breakup? Like he 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 will have lapses against big servers. Uh, and as athletic as he is, you're right. The, the return game can kind of fade off. Like you can see the motivation almost drain from him on court. I think the over, I don't know if that's what you were getting at was the over, but I think the over could be a look here. Yeah, it's ticked down at 22. Uh, Tommy Paul is on a five-match losing streak, including Davis Cup. He won one set in his last five. He, he last won a set of tennis on September 3rd, the third set against Sheldon at the U.S. Open. Lost in straight sets to Bodick, Davis Cup. Lost in straight sets to Yurusavori at Davis Cup. Lost in straight sets to Rude at Labor. Austin Street says to Medvedev in Beijing. I, yeah. I mean, again, a potential get right spot here with Offner, who needed two tie breaks to be J- JPV uh, on a hard court <laughs> at last time out in Shanghai. But how are you laying four games here? This this is one. Let's let's go back to what we talked about on the last podcast. Quick courts, four games. A lot of tie breaks since the Davis Cup, too, for him. He had one against Bodic, one against Rusuvori, uh, one against Rude. It, the one, the match he didn't play a tie break and we got killed by Medvedev that's Daniel Medvedev which is you know a far cry from Sebastian Offner like I don't think Offner is gonna be breaking him two or three times a set <laughs> so I don't think that's a huge concern if you're gonna look at the overs I don't hate I don't hate that look for for Offner to be more competitive again this comes down to what do you want it back do you want the plus four do you want the over do you want to win a set do you want the money line this is exactly what we were talking about earlier I think they're all correlated I think all those numbers probably look as enticing so now it's trying to figure out logically what the most likely scenarios are does does Offner keep it close because he serves well but can't return in that case set overs and game overs probably uh your better bets than like your set handicap or do you think like Offner could actually just take it to Tommy and he's like you said that that lack of motivation is still there he doesn't care about this late season run as much and like Offner screws you over because the underdog wins too quickly. I had that with um, uh, Shevchenko, I think, in Astana. So, I mean, 
keep that in mind. All things considered, plus 195 set one money line for Offner. I think that's a play for me for sure. Yeah, I think that first set could go very long. And yeah, I, I love that look because if that's going to go to five all, you're pretty much in a flip now. And you have the chance that if Tommy does lose that first set, he has no interest in fighting back and you know rolls over in the second you lose your over that way. What's just to win a set? Offner to win a set? Just to win a set is minus 115. I like that play as well. The over, it's a neutral 22. I just, I think it's going to be competitive. I worry about fatigue. That's why I kind of like the the set one with Offner as he had a long week. And it's not a, what about uh, anytime tie break in this? Anytime that's, that's probably, I was going to say, that might be a look. And by the way, um, fellow Canadians, Unibet does these numbers as well. Anytime tie break. And I find that they're like sometimes five to 10 cents better than Bet365. And I mean that in decimal odds. So the other day, $1.93 instead of $1.83, which is minus 107 versus minus 120. So in American odds, it'll be like 13 points different. So make sure you do your shopping on, especially on props like that. They can be, you're not going to find a huge discrepancy between the higher liquidity markets. Now you can't get down as much, but because you can't get down as much, you really do want to maximize what your return would be, right? So do shop around for that. I'm Am I stalling because I'm trying to find this? Yes, absolutely. That is exactly what I am doing. The number uh, I'm seeing for total number of tie breaks plus 150 over 0.5. That's any time tie break. I like if it. If Offner wins a set, as we think he might, you might have three cracks at that. I like it. Oh, I like it too, man. I think you've just talked me into that. I think I might just bet it right now. <laughs> Francis Tiafo. I mentioned it in our chat. If I could get a two, which I thought we might versus Lennox of Sinego, I think I'm going to take it. Um, Tiafo has not played yet. He's minus 175 as the money as the favorite. Sinego is a plus 145 dog. 23 is the total. Now look, you know, Tiafo, I'm not questioning his motivation. I would more question his form, which has been all over the place, uh, especially post Wimbledon. I mean, it was a terrible performance in Wimbledon against Dimitrov to go out. And then he, really hasn't done much since made a little bit of a run at the us open before losing to ben shelton in a match he kind of let slip away some bad losses to dan evans and dc raunich and canada shelton at the us open god he lost to bornagoyo and davis cup I, I just don't know if i trust laying games with him but but the good news with foe here is a dollar 60 i think that's minus 165 in american odds that's playable and it's yeah, it's juiced, but like I don't I don't know, man. Like I don't love playing dollar forties, even if I think they should be a dollar thirty. I'd rather lay the games in those spots. I don't like laying games with foe on quick courts. He's not playing like a really soft server. I think he's better than Sinego on a quick court. I think he's better from the base. I think he's more athletic. I think he's more competent on a hard court. I think he is like he's got a lot going for him here, and that's why his money line should probably be in the minus two hundred range. So getting it minus one sixty five, I think is bettable on its own, and you save yourself the hassle of having. To watch him not break Sonego, which is, it's just going to be so frustrating. He's a lot like Nakashima for me. Those two guys are too damn athletic and have, like, their hands are, are too good to be so poor on return. But I don't think you need him. I don't think, I mean, perhaps you do the, like, unit and a half money line and then you lay the games with another unit to, like, really try and just extract as much value out of the match as you can. I don't think you need to lay the games here. I think the price is bet- is bettable. And yes, it's juice, but it's not like, Hold your nose juice. Do you know what I mean? Sinego is actually two and one, and they're all on hardcore. However, you can throw some context 
around the two wins for Sunego. One was at Davis Cup last year, which indoors Sunego can play up for some reason. He beat Djokovic uh, one time indoors. And then Miami earlier this year, he went in straight sets. Uh, those courts in Miami, well, they played quicker this year, but certainly a different uh, conditions than what we'll be playing tonight, which are typically not friendly to Sunego. I think we faded him in, yeah, Umber, which he took a set off Umber. But I think we're going to get a good performance from Tiafo tonight. There's just, it's a 1,000 event. There's too much, too much points, too much money on the line for him to go out there and just phone this performance in. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I, I like I kind of like foe, but at the same time, I think this is probably one that I, I may end up passing on because I, there are some other stuff I like. But uh, I definitely get the rationale. Like I'm, I, I wouldn't, I would, I certainly wouldn't play Senego, and I wouldn't even try and talk you off foe. Probably eat some juice on that money line and just uh, avoid the games, as uh, as you mentioned. All right, Grigor Dimitrov somehow keeps working his way into our our podcast. He keeps playing and he keeps winning. However, uh, we mentioned these courts are akin to Atlanta when we saw. His opponent, Alexander Vukic, pop up and be relevant uh, earlier this summer. Vukic, you can get plus 327 on the money line. The spread is three and a half at plus money uh, on bet online. The total is at 22 here. Now, Dimitrov has been chalking up a lot of wins against opponents who are, are not as good as him. That's how he's had his best year since 2017. But plus 327, uh, we're watching Sefulian give the business to Zverev once again. And that's mainly because winning ugly, of, baby. <laughs> he must be, have read Brad Gilbert's book. That's mainly because of his serve, which Vukic will, will certainly have. I mean, if, if Vukic is landing his first serves, this is going to be a tight match. You can get a plus 327. That's oof, pretty large. Yeah. Overs plus games. I'm not saying bet all of these. These are not all going to be in <laughs> our, our recap, win or lose. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out what I like most here. I mean, this is to me like. When I say it's a no-brainer, I mean the numbers are, to me, wrong, and it's a no-brainer to bet it. It's not a no-brainer that he's going to win. It's not, you know, a hammer. It's not a a, ba- a whatever, max bomb or a guaranteed lock. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is to me it is a, a must-bet because of the numbers being off. I mean, over 9.5 in the first set is minus 120. That, to me, has to be in the minus 140, minus 145 range, right? That's a significant difference. I, you know, I may be off here. I don't think I, I, people always say, don't believe the market is that far off, which I I kind of, I believe sometimes it is really off, but like more often than not, it will be relatively close to what it should be. So maybe my numbers off here, take that with a grain of salt. But I do think that these numbers are, are significant, like really poor. You can get four games minus 125. Probably don't love that. I don't love the three and a half as much, but you can get a set here at plus money. You can get the over, it's, it's a, like I said, nine and a half. You're you're not really taking a risk on a tie break, and you're still it's minus one twenty. Very cheap, very cheap relative to where it should be. The over twenty two. You're not even again. You're getting that that kind of push insurance. It's been bet from minus one thirty to minus one fifteen. They have the market has bet that that total right into playable territory on a flat twenty two. There there's something to be had here. I'm not huge on on like sprinkling a half unit on everything, and like having three units of exposure on Alex Vukic against Grigor Dimitrov. But I do think this is one where you want to pick and choose. Like Again, comes back to what we talked about earlier. There are a lot of different numbers that are playable here. So whatever you're most comfortable with. or we're, If you're if you're like, yeah, I also like Vukic, but I, I disagree with John on how this match plays out. Well, then bet the plus the three and a half or, or 
you know, something different. I think they're all decent numbers in terms of everything that correlates to backing Vukic to keep it close or even win the match. John, you mentioned routine, not routine, but the fact that you can get plus 600 winners in tennis. Well, Marcos Giron is plus 605 against Yannick Sinner on Bet Online. Holy but really six to one. Sinner off the big win. He's minus one or minus nine forty-five on the money line versus off the Beijing win where he beat Carlitos and Medvedev, exercised a lot of demons. Four and a half game spread for, which is interesting considering the, uh, I mean, at, at plus 605, you'd think it'd be a, I guess it's a plus 110, yeah. so it really is a five, but you'd think it's it'd a 4.75, like, but I'm with you. It, it should be, it should be a five in that, in that minus 105 range. I'm not loving the spread there. A total's at 21. I will, for a fact, and I'm going to bet it right now, Giron first set money line plus 325. Like that's a play for me. Like what's even to win a set? Uh, plus 150-ish. Plus 150 dead on. Plus, There's a plus 155 out there for me as well. Yeah, I would play that as well. I mean, it, this is truly just fading him off the long week center. Maybe, you know, and not only that, he did a pretty lengthy victory lap after that. <laughs> Taking a lot of photos with the comically large Beijing trophy. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were all over that on Twitter. I saw like three tweets. You're like, like come on, look at this. It's <laughs> Dude, it's like the like Stanley Davis Cup. <laughs> It's like he's going in on this trophy. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's like the largest trophy you'll probably ever win as a freaking 500 in, in October. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't really see it until you posted the one picture where he's sitting down. And I'm like, it's the size of his entire upper body. Like, it was, it's huge. It was so stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm with you here again. I mean, look, uh, that extra day. I don't think one extra day should should alter your numbers that much. They did give both Beijing finalists an extra day. Giron played Wednesday. They should. He should have been playing today. It's supposed to be every other day, and it was. It's supposed to be sixteen sixteen. Instead, it was fourteen matches Friday. 18 second round matches Saturday because Medvedev and, and Sinner were given an extra day. Should that alter your handicap drastically? No. If there's one player that, that will really benefit from that extra day, it is a guy like Yannick Sinner who is prone to those kind of physical, not limitations, but lapses off of long weeks. So that does annoy me a little bit. Like for Medvedev, I don't think he needs the extra day. It's not part of the handicap. Don't really care. You know what I mean? With with Sinner, it is because he is a little bit more physically fragile. So that annoys me a little bit. But I don't think I'm like, oh, yeah, now it's a plus 600. Giron should be plus 600 because Sinner got one extra day off a long week. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. So I'm, I'm with you. I think there's still value there. I would have preferred if they had played today, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Sinner lost set one. He lost the match outright uh, in Cincinnati off the win in Toronto. Now, Lajovic obviously has a, a much bigger server, a uh, bigger scammer than Giron, but I think it's still the numbers are, are a play to me, given given the spot and the context. I actually kind of like Giron more than I like Lajovic, to be honest, on a quick hard court. Well, there you go. I, yeah, I forgot about that, too. I forgot about that tough backing up of a... Like, that Beijing event, field-wise, was pretty close to a Masters event. Like, it wasn't easy. He played a few three-setters. That Medvedev match was a long one, too. Yeah, I'm not... I'm, I, I, I can't get out of my mind. And look, do I think I'm going to hit back-to-back plus 600s or plus 550s? Like, sorry, do I think I'm going to hit back? Oh my God, John. Do I think I'm going to hit plus 550s on back-to-back days? Probably not. Does it mean I shouldn't bet it? Do you say, oh, I already hit one. I can't hit another. Absolutely not. The two things, the two numbers are not like, they're not correlated or not connected at all. They're two individual matches. Don't get that stuff in your mind. Play the value. 
Does it probably lose? Yes. Do you need it to win half the time to make money? No, you only need to win a one out of every five of these bets and you're profitable. That's the beautiful part about these long shots. If you can find the right ones, you can make some cash. Here's another pretty good dog is um, our guy, Mikhail Kukushkin, uh, who came through Forrest against Mueller. Now he's taking on Dan Evans and he's plus 337 at bet online on the money line. The four is in even money proposition. The total is at 21 and a half here. Dude, Kukushkin had it rolling in those last two sets. It wasn't just the service games, man. I watched a lot of that. His returns were, uh, I mean, I have to give him credit. He was, he was winning points uh, from the baseline. Uh, and not just uh, scamming that thing from from serving. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a like Manorino level guy where you can just fade on clay. He's a right-handed Manorino, mid thirties, very peculiar style, ultra flat hitter, and the ball just sneaks up on you. It, he doesn't have like the biggest windup. He doesn't swing super hard. He doesn't hit with a ton of power. But like, if when he hits his inside out forehand, watch guys, they'll they'll react so late and they're like, "How the hell did that ball get on me so fast?" Because it's just, it gets through the air so efficiently, right? Like it takes the most direct route to the back corner and then it skids off the court and through it. And you're like, damn, that ball got on me fast. He's a very, very profile type player. Just like Manorino, you get him on a flat court or sorry, you get him on a a quick hard court with his flat ball against someone that doesn't have like uber amounts of power like Dan Evans. and, And it's, he doesn't need to have performed very well this year. He doesn't need to be in the best form. It's You can see he's working his way into it in his Astana loss, which wasn't the worst against Borges. He should have had that win. He dominated Alex Mueller. I know he lost the first set, but it was like an 8-6 an in the tiebreak set. Then he absolutely crushed the kid. There's an undervaluation on Kukushkin, period. Now, whether he wins or not is a different story, but is he undervalued? Absolutely. Certainly going to sprinkle the money line in this one at plus 330. I kind of like the set one money line at plus 220. I, you a know, set is plus one fifteen. Like you're getting plus money from to win a set. I mean, geez, I love plus one fifteen money lines <laughs> when they come in. Let alone plus one fifteen set handicaps. Yeah, there you go. Now Evans obviously has um, randomly played up at, at times this year, but certainly played down as well. I, I, aside from literally like two weeks this year, he's been a fade. So there's also that. Quickly, I kind of ra- I got to wrap it up. I want to find a play way to play our guy Halis again versus Rublev, which the market is. I mean, Ru- I love Rublev. He is a great player, but my God, we mentioned it before. Halis, big serve forehand, not prone to errors uh, unless he's like just having an off day. He's plus 360 versus Rublev. Three and a half is plus 105. There's another one, plus 235 set one money line. I'm definitely interested in that uh, here versus Rublev. Rublev drops first sets all the time. Uh, now uh, the four, I, I'm not so sure about because the thing about Rublev is he can drop a set and still cover. Uh, but yeah, set one money line to win a set. I, I'm liking Halis here to keep it competitive. That's one that's caught my eye. There's a lot of dog. Like I mean, when you get into these conditions, man, it's just it's tough to beat people like soundly. Even the good players, if you get a, if you get a server that you can't return, like things are gonna stay relatively close, and you're gonna one error in a tiebreak could cost you a set I, it's just i kind of like content here as well like he hasn't been great the first match he was the better player still had some iffy parts of it though against karatsev but we know that rublev as much power as he has and as much as his serve and forehand are going to rip in these conditions he he has in the past spoken about them not being his favorite i don't think he's poor i don't think he plays poorly in these uh, on these courts by any means because he's too good of a player, but he has explicitly said, you know, not his favorite. 
So, I mean, there's that as well. Uh, you wonder if there's a little bit of discomfort, especially returning a big serve, if that could, uh, that could, especially in the first set, that could cost him, right? If he, if he needs time to, to kind of get in a, a rhythm, that that's certainly a question mark I have around him. Let's, let's round to the finish with some true round three matches here. Marishan is at pick with Lyovich. Um, Hold on. Let me, let me quickly give a couple more okay, go uh, ahead. that I'm looking at in the second sure. round. I haven't bet these yet, but uh, we'll obviously have them in the recap. Teglasatman against uh, Nico Hari, Jari, whatever. Look, I, I was I told I said I was hesitant to 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 back players in their first kind of Asian swings, whether it be challenger or tour level stuff, because the conditions are so much quicker. He has a lot of pop. He has a huge lefty serve. Uh, he does get a little bit wobbly at times when it comes to consistency. But after seeing that win, I mean, you want to get on this kid before he goes on a run and the value is gone. You're not backing him at like a pick here against Jari. Like it's a very cheap price at plus 220. I, I just I don't trust Jari's return game in on these courts against a decent server and especially against a lefty if he can pick on that that Jari backhand when he's in control. I think that is worth a look. Fields against Davidovich Fokina as well. You know you're up in that plus one fifty range. I'm not sure with his game and his pop and his power he should really be in a 40 percent or below range to win that match. I think he should probably should have a little bit more respect. Zhukayev. Look, Khachanov is infinitely better than Bebit Zhukaya from the baseline, but like Bebit can hammer his first serves. If he has an anywhere near respectable first serve rate, this one could honestly be a 7-5-6-4 match or 7-5. There could be a tie break along the way. I'm not even kidding. And most people are like, who the hell is Bebit Zhukayev? Why does John trust him against like a guy that's really good on quick conditions that just won a title a few weeks ago? It's purely down to his serve, man. Can he bot his way to a tie break? I absolutely believe he can. Uh, that's all he can do, though. So don't get me wrong. Finally, in the second round, Yasuke Watnuki, man. Great comeback in the first and second sets against Jerry Shung. He lost the second one. Shung played an incredible match. And it was another one of those things where it's the opposite of Zverev, right? Zverev wins ugly. Uh, Shung loses, but looks good a lot. Well, you know, you'd rather have the wins, the money, the points, the chance of, the chance of going deep. Watnuki on these courts is going to be so tough to break. And... I do think Jerry did a good job of it. Fritz is going to hold easier than Shung did. I, I don't know how many opportunities Fritz is going to create against that Watanuki serve, if I'm being dead honest. He's up over plus 300, like well over plus 300. I, I just don't think it's that big of a difference considering this one could be decided uh, in two tight sets either way. There's a plus 370 out there. Most most shops are in the plus 350, plus 345 I don't hate the Watanuki look either. Round three, quickly. Eubanks is plus 308 versus Rude in the next round, and I, I just bet that. So I'll be on Eubanks at three to one versus Rude. I mean, come on. Uh, Marishan versus Lyovich. Oh, man, I really want to to back Marishan once again here at pick, but Lyovich has got it rolling on serve. He's got something going here. It's it's tough to count him out. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably be on Marishan, but like it's not nearly as enticing as some of the other stuff out there like Eubanks which you just mentioned and what do you think about Fucevic here at plus 138 plus 130 versus love, love that yeah right yeah it, it's I mean I actually trust Serundolo as much as I trust Felix on these courts Felix is out of form but at least he likes quick conditions and that's where he's had a lot of his success. Serundolo is in better form, obviously. It's hard not to be better form than Felix. I'm in as good form on the ATP Tour right now as Felix Ojeal Yassim. But 
like at least he has comfort on the courts. I like I think Sedundolo is getting like him and Echeverry, they're both getting better on hard courts. They both have the serve and forehand to like take advantage and find cheap points, but the timing-wise, I still don't think is there yet. I think there's room to improve in comfort and timing on quick courts for him. Fuchsvix likes, I mean, he's had success on grass in the past. He likes quick courts. He just beat Felix. This is when you can give me a solid ATP tour pro. I'm not backing a challenger player. I'm not backing a young kid. I'm not backing an erratic player. I'm backing a consistent player from the baseline who is like a solid, what, top 30, 40, 50 player and likes the conditions, has shown the ability to push good players and beat them in the past on quick courts. I don't know how I pass on like the plus one thirty five plus one forty range. It's the ex- it's the same scenario as, as Felix, and like I said, I might actually like him a little bit more. And I went a unit and a half against Felix, so might be going two units here on on future mix. If I'm being honest, uh, yeah, definitely a pesky player for Dolo. Now, Fuchovic has been a little bit up and down this year with his level kind of all over the place. So that's something to consider. But uh, I certainly think uh, he's someone who can kind of grind away on on Dolo and draw that. I mean, the guy's error prone. Let's be real. We have to wrap it up. I don't know if people can hear the the, the children behind me, but it's it's time <laughs> to come to an end. Uh, follow John at Jared Tweets Tennis. Follow at Tibbetts Tennis. Follow our show at MP9 Tennis. Do like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a a rating, a review. Until next time, see you on the court.